You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Inside China Tech. This is our first episode for 2019. I am Zensu, a technology reporter with the South China Morning Post. And today I have with me two Beijing colleagues, Sarah Dai and Ying Jiang, both of whom are our Beijing-based tech reporters. And we are going to talk about the forecasts for 2019 in the technology space. So for 2019, we are first going to have a look into the smartphone industry. So right now, you know, Chinese smartphone makers like Xiaomi and Huawei are doing pretty well in the Chinese market. Maybe Yingzhi can tell us a little bit more about that. Yingzhi, what do you think is going to happen in China with all of these smartphone makers for the coming year? Yeah, I think for the Chinese market, uh, Chinese filmmakers will gain more momentum in the market because during this U.S.-China trade tensions, I think Chinese consumers prefer Chinese homemade brands more. Um, for example, I think this year, uh, the American American brand iPhone only ranked like around fifth um, in in the Chinese market. So the Chinese, mar- Chinese market are, are uh, is already dominated by uh, four Chinese brands: Huawei, uh, Oppo, Vivo, and Xiaomi. I think in the in the in the coming year, this uh, momentum will be strengthened. Yeah. Um. So a couple of years back, I re- I believe the first and second smartphone makers in China was Samsung and Apple, right? And then so in just the space of a couple of years, now all of the top smartphone brands are now Chinese players. That's right. Um, so and um, at the same time, I want to bring a little bit about a, a Chinese brand's expansion into the U.S. market. I think in the coming a year, there's very little possibility that Chinese brands can collaborate with the U.S. carrier to expand into that market, um, because you know in the in the, in the beginning of uh, last year, AT and T dropped the deal with uh, Huawei, and the trade tensions are you know more and more intense. So I think maybe OnePlus will be the only brand that can be um, used by U.S. citizens with the U.S. carrier. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because OnePlus is one of the very few sort of Chinese brands that for some reason is quite popular in the U.S., especially among the tech community. I think in SV, uh, a lot of people are very popular. Yeah, exactly. Like with OnePlus, it doesn't really have a very Chinese image, I think. I think not, not a lot of American consumers know that. OnePlus is a Chinese brand, but it also seems that lots of these Chinese phones, like even OnePlus or Huawei, they are going more of an upscale um, sort of route with their 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 devices. Yeah, um, so I think they're upgrading their uh, business strategy into the more high end market. Um, I was I heard from my colleague that the newest model of Huawei will cost you around five thousand yuan. That's pretty costly in terms of a Chinese brand. Usually, people only accept a foreign brand to be expensive, but now more and more people are preferred to buy are preferring to buy Huawei because they think it's oh it's Chinese it's our national brand. Yes, the Chinese smartphone market has also been maturing. It has sort of reached um, like a peak after years of, of, of rapid growth. Like right now, I think there are well over 800 million mobile users and many of them are using smartphones. As And obviously, as people have matured in terms of like consumption habits, they're not happy to just buy, you know, sort of affordable value for money smartphones anymore. They're more happy to invest in higher quality, more high-end smartphone devices and Chinese smartphone makers have also caught on to that trend and started producing such devices to cater to consumer need. 
Okay, let's move on to our next topic. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence in 2019. So AI obviously has been also a big industry or big uh, field where the Chinese government has been investing heavily in. And Sarah Dai, our subject matter expert, will tell us more about AI for 2019. So Sarah, what do you think is in store for artificial intelligence? I think AI will continue to be one of the main themes for Chinese technology landscape. And it will continue to be at the heart of trade spat between China and the US as the two nations race to lead the world in cutting edge technologies. I think for the year of 2019, uh, analysts expect AI could increasingly become a political issue in the year amid the fear that the unsolved trade tension may prompt the U.S. to tighten key technology control, which may dampen China's AI ambition. So what are some of the applications for artificial intelligence in the different industries in China? Uh, yeah, yes, that's a good question. I think for for the um, there there have been many uh, aspects of uh, for the AI a- a- applications, and I think for for the surveillance, uh, the facial recognition in surveillance, it will continue to be the most sensitive one uh, amid this uh, trade tension and also uh, more concerns for user privacies, and. Uh, also, uh, coupling with the economic slowdown, I think for those it's easier for those uh, counter countercyclical um, sectors like education, like the AI's application in education and entertainment. It will be easier for them, but for for other industries like healthcare and autonomous driving, it will be hard uh, with a slowdown or with economic slowdown and the the the, the chilling of fundraising. Uh, they will have they will struggle to see new progress and attract new funding in the year to come. So in 2018, what was the most widespread use of AI that is notable in the industry? Is it also surveillance? For 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 artificial intelligence, it's uh, the, like the most the most of the AI startups so far they started with the surveillance and sector, because like there have been um, there have been sizable de- market demand for the ca- for the smart cameras that can tell faces and help catch criminals, jaywalkers, or to let people in for residential buildings. Thanks, Sarah, for that insight. And now we're going to talk about cryptocurrency. And, you know, there has been a lot of speculation and a lot of exciting developments in that space. And also because prices of lots of cryptocurrencies have crashed over the last couple of months. So for 2019, Yingzhi, what do you think is in store for crypto? Um, so I think people around the world will still be uncertain about the crypto market um, in the new year because j- just like you said, um, the market was wiped out uh, around US dollar 500 billion uh, last year. So I think the bear market of crypto will still persist. But I think the applications of blockchain technology itself will be matured in the coming year, especially in industrial fintech, finance, um, and other industries. Um, especially um, the database use, uh, the blockchain-based database will be more uh, widely used in this year. So what you're saying is that 
2019, people will be more concerned about the applications of blockchain uh, as opposed to, you know, watching the prices. I mean, I'm sure people still watch the prices, but like there's more potential in terms of blockchain applications. So the cryptocurrency is different from the blockchain technology itself. And the world regu- the regulators around the world are more supporting cryptocurrency. Uh, sorry, the, uh, the regulators around the world are more supporting the technology itself, blockchain, but not that much about cryptocurrencies. Now we're going to start talking about electric cars because electric cars have been a very big topic also for 2018 with several Chinese startups putting out their first mass-produced vehicle. So Sarah, what's in store for electric cars in this coming year? Next year, I would say it will be very interesting. Imagine you are in the middle of a two-year race and it is coming to reach a showdown moment. Because three major electric car startups will test the market's reception of their first mass-produced models, while a fourth, which is Byton, is going to deliver its first mass-produced model. And you will see like just how well customers buy their concept and buy their car and willing to pay for their new mo- their their ambitions. And also, you will also see that they are competing in at the same line with Tesla and also the combustion engine cars. How's Tesla doing in China? Will will these Chinese car makers basically be able to compete with Tesla, which has for several years been the poster boy of electric vehicles, you know, around the world? We just heard the green light uh, in the year of 2018 that Tesla was green light to set up their first factory outside the U.S. in Shanghai. So that has been in progress. And next year, we will likely to see more news coming, more solid news coming out of it. And you will actually see the price of Tesla models to drop. And that will give more intense competitions with those uh, emerging Chinese Chinese electric car makers. Another interesting industry that we're going to look into for the year of 2019 is the venture capital industry in China. What people have been saying basically is that there has been like a winter for Chinese companies raising venture capital is getting harder as investors are also pulling back and now with all these economic uncertainty. So Yingzhi, what does the venture capital feel look like? Yeah, I think the smaller funds will still keep complaining about a shortage of capital injected into their funds, but the bigger players will still um, do things in their own pace and raise billions of dollars uh, into their funds in the coming year. Um, but I think uh, the investors, uh, the good investors in the industry will not really complain about the winter of capital, but they will put more efforts to understand the market and have a stronger ability to cross-disciplinary understand this um, industry. And they can invest into different industries at the same time. Uh, for example, the education industry and the he- uh, the healthcare industry both need IoT, which is Internet of Things, and AI technologies. So they have to um, maneuver between different industries and make a best decision. <laughs> 
So um, even last year, there was some talk about a winter of venture capital. So I feel like this has been ongoing for a while, but it seems like big companies like N Financial and ByteDance, like ByteDance recently became the most valuable startup in the world. The valuation of 75 billion, they raised a huge round. Is this going to impact more of the smaller startups? Are the big startups still going to be continue raising phenomenal amounts of cash? Yeah, during the hard times, I think investors want to play the safe card more. So they would like to invest in that later stage of the company with a bigger valuation. So that's that means that for small startups, it's harder than ever before to raise fresh fundings for themselves because it's riskier for the investors. So finally, we are going to talk about e-commerce. So then you are the reporter who covers e-commerce most. And what's your opinion about the industry in the coming year? E-commerce for 2019 is probably, in China especially, is probably going to be very largely focused on cross-border e-commerce where, you know, you companies want to import more overseas products to China. So in the recent import expo, uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping basically, you know, wanted to wanted China to open up its economy more, and they're, they're more willing to also um, sort of lower tariffs for certain imported goods. So this is uh, also a signal that companies are more likely to start selling cross-border goods because before. A lot of these cross-border demand was fulfilled by Taiko agents, so agents who would go overseas, buy products for consumers, and basically, for the lack of a better word, sort of smuggle them in because they evade taxes, they don't pay taxes on these products. So China sort of wants to put a stop to that. They will um, basically let people, let companies, you know, lower lower the taxes for this and make it easier for companies to import products and for customers to um, purchase these items. Also, there's a consumption upgrade trend where Chinese consumers, especially um, the middle class, they're getting more affluent and also millennial consumers who, you know, many of them are now in the workforce and have higher spending power. They uh, are more international. They know more about brands overseas. They want to get better quality products. So um, because of this trend, these consumers will also request such better quality goods, whether domestic or from foreign brands, and they will be willing to pay to buy these items from overseas. I think that pretty much wraps up our 2019 forecast for the year. We will take a look back at the end of the year again to see how much of our forecast predictions have come true. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, my handle is at Zensu. Yingzhi's handle is at Yingzhi, Y-I-N-G-Z-H-I underscore Yang, Y-A-N-G. So if you want to follow on Twitter, that's her handle. And for Sarah's handle, it's at Sarah underscore Dai, D-A-I. So follow us on Twitter. If you want to see more of our great technology coverage, visit scmp.com slash tech. Also, Inside China Tech is now on Spotify and iTunes, so definitely subscribe to us there. We will put out a new podcast every Friday. We will be on Google Play in 2019 later in the year, but we'll keep you updated on that. So thanks for joining us this week. We will see you next week. Bye.